Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Big stories. Big guests. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. But so starting next week, some of the rules or restrictions around outdoor sports are going to be eased. But that doesn't render this next conversation moot. Should those rules have been there in the first place? And are there any legal or constitutional issues that come into play? An application for judicial review was filed in Calgary Court of Queen's Bench last week, arguing that those restrictions violate charter rights. Joining us to talk more about this case, one of the lawyers involved, Greg Dunn is a defense lawyer. He's a senior and managing partner with Dunn & Associates. Joins us on the line here this afternoon. Greg, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. All right, well, give us a bit of the background on this case, uh, who you're representing and and where this, uh, or how this came about. Well, Rob, we're representing... um a, uh, actually, a, a 16-year-old uh, a kid through his father, uh, Kalen Hunter, uh, who's a resident, uh, you know, around the, the city of Calgary. And overall, the challenge is a legal challenge to completely open uh, outdoor group sports, uh, performance activities, recreational activities for youth, basically 18 and under in the province of Alberta. And ultimately, the reason... Uh, why my clients are moving forward with this, uh, and uh, and uh, why Mr. Hunter is moving forward with this, uh, forward with this is really the driving force behind the application is the well-being of our youth, the well-being of our kids, and you know I think everybody knows we've been affected by this pandemic, we've been affected by the isolation that these repeated lockdowns have had on us, and it's had an effect on our communities and our families, but in particular, it's particularly hard on our kids. Um, this is now two years going on where um, kids' sports is really at risk of being completely lost, uh, at least for the summer months. And I think, you know, I think as an adult, Rob, you, you lose a bit of perspective as to what sports and organized sports mean to kids. I mean, we live here in a, in a country, you've got eight months of wintertime. Uh, you know, think back when you were in, uh, a kid and, you, and summer holidays were upon us. I mean, it was basically like getting out of jail. And you had two months of warm weather and freedom to go out, do what you want, be free. And, and playing sports was a big part of that. And think about what's in these kids' minds to have those activities stripped away. I mean, it's not for a few weeks. It's not for a few months. And it's, for, it's potentially for a few years. And there's no certainty in terms of what the government's going to do now or in the next month or when fall comes with respect to sports. So, um, you know, I think one of the big things for people to keep in mind is organized sports are really an essential part of the development of kids, essential for mental health. You'll see a lot of data coming out of the, especially out of the states, that uh, these lockdowns have created all sorts of problems in youth higher levels of the depression, higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of suicide. And this the fallout and the mental health fallouts are going to be 
subsisting for some period of time. So, you know, the basis of the application is really uh, to kind of get, get kids back out and playing sports and, and having fun uh, with their friends and doing things like that. Um, you know, there's the, the basis, really, of the application, though, and you raise civil liberties. And civil liberties is certainly one of the basis of the application. But a big part of the application is it's also based upon science. And simply put, uh, the science on COVID-19 transmission does not support you know, a, a full-on lockdown on kids' outdoor sports. And you'll, you'll see the narrative from the other side. Well, they'll, they'll say stuff such as, well, these outdoor sports are, you know, they'll call them super spreader events or that they'll overwhelm the, the public health care system or there'll be people dying on the streets. Lots of that is hyperbole, especially when you look at the science with respect to outdoor activities. Three, three quick facts, really quickly. Outdoor transmission of COVID-19 is exceedingly rare. Current estimates um, out of, coming out of the, the United States with respect to contract tracing suggest that outdoor transmission occurs more than a thousand times less of COVID-19 than indoor trans, uh, transmission. They did a study with respect to U.S. youth soccer. They had 91,000 uh, participants in U.S. Uh, in, in that trace with respect to uh, United States youth soccer. One, they could trace back to been infected during the course of outdoor uh, youth soccer play. They did some studies, I think they were in England with respect to, uh, and these are adults, with respect to adult rugby players. They could not find a single incident of a disease transmission during rugby play. And as you know, rugby play is, a, you know, you get into the rucks and the scrums, and, I mean, the social distancing is not two meters, uh, you know, that the health authorities are, are mandating. They could not find a single incident. The rugby players were infected during the, during the course of play outside. So you start from the premise that the risk of outdoor transmission is very, very low. Compounded on that is, are two other facts. Kids in general, children, have a much lower rate of infectious, uh, infectiousness than adults. They're less than half. So, for example, if you put two kids in close contact, the rate of transmission is less than half of that of two adults in the same situation. And if you compound that and you layer it with the final fact, that the risk of serious disease in kids who contact the virus is very, very low. And when I talk about serious disease, I'm talking about kids that, who contract COVID-19 who get so sick that they need to be hospitalized, okay? So let's talk about, you know, not kids that get the sniffles or kids that maybe are in a bed for a few days, but kids that actually have a public health issue or, or a private health issue. It's less than one hundredth of a percent of kids that are contracted with respect to COVID-19 that end up in, in, a, serious, uh, in a serious health issue, 0.008%. So the question from our perspective in terms of the legal challenge, if the risk is so low, if it's low for outdoor transmission, if it's low for transmission as between kids, if it's low for kids who do contact COVID-19 from getting seriously ill, and why are we banning these activities in the first place? Mm. And that's sort of the foundation upon which the legal challenge is based. 
Now, a couple of points, and I'm sure the province w- would make the argument that, you know, people have, have a lot of different ways to get outside and get physical activity and to even do so with uh, others, uh, that, that, you know, organized sports is, is something different. But ultimately, it comes down, though, um, to whether this is a justified infringement. So obviously, Section 1 of the Charter comes into play, or the so-called Oaks Test of Proportionality. And so how, how do you address it from your perspective, then? Right. So... <clears throat> You know, that's kind of the foundational argument that people can kind of understand in in an everyday sense. And then so when you wrap that into a legal argument, obviously all of that stuff gets filtered through a a bit of a legal test. And so the premise is this. So, you know, a lot of people say, they say, well, do these public health orders violate our charter rights? Well, they do. All of these public health orders violate our charter rights. And in this particular example, they violate Section 2C, which is freedom of peaceful assembly. They violate Section 2D, which is freedom of association. Prima facie, they violate charter rights. But then the question comes, and and listeners may say, well, if they violate our charter rights, you know, why are the courts allowing these public health orders to stand? And that's because in Canada, simply because part of violation by a law, does not automatically mean that the law, or in this case, a public health order, gets struck down. So the first part of the test, when you're looking at it from a lawyer perspective, is does it violate a charter right? It does. But then you get to get past the second test. And the second test is what remedy are we going to get, are we going, if any? And, you know, the remedy we would ask for is that the order be varied or that the order be struck down. But the courts go through a test. It's a balancing test. Essentially, it balances different interests in the law. And, and as you indicated, it's called the Oaks test That's it, because it comes from a case called R versus Oaks. And the courts are asked to weigh different factors. So what they weigh is they weigh the benefit of the restrictions or the benefit of the public health order. And they balance that against the harm that the, that the charter violation has on people or on the citizens. So in most cases... Let's just take an example, you know, a closing of bars or something. And they say, well, I have a right to make a living. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, you know, the same sort of charter, uh, uh, the same sort of charter arguments that they would be made. Well, the courts have said in certain circumstances or, or uh, they would say, well, we appreciate that it's a violation of your civil liberties. But the fact that we have these public health concerns. We're controlling the spread of COVID-19. We're saving lives. We're saving public health resources. That's more important. And so we are going to restrict your civil liberties because the objective of the legislation is so important, it's so pressing, it's so substantial. But our argument in this particular case with respect to kids' outdoor sports differentiates itself from that general legal reasoning that keeps these orders constitutional. We believe that we have the evidence to say, look, there is no evidence that restricting kids from playing outdoor sports is going to reduce infections. There is no evidence that it's going to reduce sickness. There is no evidence it's going to reduce transmission. And therefore, the benefit of those restrictions is really nullified. And when you compare that with the harm that goes, that, that kids have been suffering, the mental health issues, the suicidal ideations, the anxiety, the depression, the problems with families and the behavioral issues that come from canceling organized sports, 
we believe that the harm that these orders are having on our youth significantly outweigh the benefits. And so ultimately, that's, you know, our objective is to, is to be able to produce that evidence, obviously uh, by way of an expert, and to convince a judge that in terms of the balance of convenience, that it weighs in our favor and not, and not the, the, the continuation of the, of the status quo with respect to the restrictions. And I guess that's kind of the wrinkle here. I mean, the status quo is changing, uh, you know, even as early as next week, certainly by the end of June into July, things will have changed dramatically. I mean, it doesn't undo what was in place up until this point, but does it does it render any of this moot? Well, I mean, there's an issue of mootness in which you say, well, by the time we get uh, into court on this, um, these public health orders uh, are going to be lifted and the kids are going to be back playing baseball or soccer or football. But, but what happens when there's another spike? Uh, what happens in the fall when numbers creep up again? So what we're going to ask for is we're going to ask that the matter be adjudicated so parents and kids can have some certainty that, you know, whether it's soccer and baseball now or whether it's rugby and football in the fall, that their team sports outside, played outside, are going to go ahead. All right, we'll continue to follow this closely. Much more uh, at dunnandassociates.ca. Greg, uh, appreciate making some time for us here this afternoon. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks Rob. My pleasure. All right. All the best. Uh, that is Greg Dunn, defense attorney. He's a senior partner at Dunn & Associates, managing and senior partner, representing uh, the plaintiffs in this case. So it's an interesting argument they're going to make. I'll be curious to see what comes of it. And yes, there, there is the, the oddity here that by the time all of this is heard, it, it will in many ways have been a, be a moot point because these restrictions aren't going to exist. We'll take a time out here. We'll have some time for your calls, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.